Are you superstitious at all? Like, I mean, it feels like you can't, you know, the, the, the puck is not bouncing your way right now. No, I'm, I'm not superstitious. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, we, had, we had some good looks through the line last night and um, continue to do that and you know, we'll get our chances and you know, eventually when we'll go in. How do you personally handle it when the puck isn't going in on a stretch like this? Uh, yeah, you know, we just got to keep working hard. Um, uh, keep trying to do the right things. Um, you know, they, we're getting the look, so um, you know, eventually, like I said, one will go. Fan morning, Joe Sportsnet 59 and fan Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Leaf stars tonight on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 59 and the fan. You and producer Jeff Asbar, are you going to be down there? Mm-hmm. I won't be able to join you. That's okay. We like I, hockey. Children's. Okay. I also like hockey. Mm-hmm. My child's hockey. Oh, look at you, father okay. of the year. All right. We'll practice tonight. Yeah, we got practice. Nice. Snapping it around. Um, learning you... about banging the stick, or again, I'm sorry, that's not until 13, apparently. <laughs> yeah, right. No, yeah, we're not at that level. Um, do you remember Christmas? Yeah, like just in general, or this no, past Christmas one? day? Yeah, like this, like, does that feel like recently Christmas? No, no, not me, not for me. Well, you? no, no, I, 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 I certainly remember it because you got my kids PS5 and my five-year-olds, like his yeah. eye, he may have like permanent eye damage because they like, popped out of his skull it when was such he a, saw it. It was such a nice picture you took that I had to do like a kind of creep thing and take a screenshot of your Instagram story <laughs> to show my parents and in-laws like, look at what a good dad my, my, uh, my co-host is here. Uh, so that, that did feel like a long time ago. Yeah. It's, it is a long time ago. Mm-hmm. It was only two, two days after that Tyler Bertuzzi scored his last goal. <laughs> it was only like uh, four days before that that the Oilers lost their last game before last night. Yeah, Tyler Bertuzzi. That does... actually puts it perfectly in perspective that as long as the Oilers have been winning games, Tyler Bertuzzi is not <laughs> So tonight's the night. He's had his chances, no doubt. Uh, but December 27th, the last goal he scored. For Max Domi, hasn't been quite so long, but January 13th for him. And, and neither guy... I, I, despite Tyler Bertuzzi having a 30-goal season, again, this, these are guys that are not known for lighting up the scoreboard as far as the goal scoring, but like in and around 20 mm-hmm. would have been, you know, reasonable to expect, I think, especially considering, that granted, the short term, but in Tyler Bertuzzi's case, like significant cap hit of $5.5 million. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Max Domi has been contributing point-wise in the assist board, but come I'm on. fighting. Sure, and calling people bald. So that's good. Great. Actually, that's nothing. So both guys are also, if you look at their ice time, uh, averaging career lows in ice time for an entire season. Both of them. So what comes first, Brent? An increase in production that leads to more ice, like a chicken egg thing. Mm -hmm. So what's the problem here? Is it you got to earn yourself some more ice time by scoring a little bit, Mm -hmm. or is it, how the hell can I score a little bit when my ice time is so limited? I think it's different answers for the two guys you're talking about there. I think with Bertuzzi, he said it, and I'll agree with him, that his line with Nylander and Tavares, and like I know Nylander specifically is not eye test-wise been looking the way we want, that line's been generating chances. They've been out-chancing their opponents. They've been outplaying their matchups more times than not. So if for... For a line where we talk about how we haven't liked the three guys playing on it basically for a month, and Pertuzzi, Tavares, and, and Nylander, for them to still be winning their matchups and no chance in their opponents, 
that I think that you look at that and say that should be proof that you want to give those guys more burn. And obviously, you know, Nylander and Tavares, they're able to get more time on the power play. That's where Bertuzzi kind of lags behind there. Nylander penalty kill as well. With Domi, it goes back to finding the right role for him. And that's where I wonder if, if you think it's a case of they need more opportunity to be better, I think you need to completely kind of rejig the way you look at your lineup. I think if you want Max Domi to be used more and you want Max Domi to be a skill guy who's going to produce for you, you got two choices. You can no longer make him a center and you put him on the left wing with uh, give him Bertuzzi spot, give him the Nyes or, you know, whatever spot is alongside Matthews and Marner there. Or you really split up the big four and you, let's say you keep Nylander and Tavares together and it's Matthews, you know, by himself, for lack of a better term. And then you got Marner and Domi together and see what happens there. I think if you want Max Domi, you can't just throw him more ice with Pontus Holmberg's. No. And, you know, guys I like, like I like Pontus Holmberg. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I kind of like Bobby McMahon. But you can't just throw more ice with those guys and expect him to produce. If you're going to give him more ice, and I don't have a problem with that, it has to be with players he can do something with that, that, that maximize his skill set because Max Domi has one. There are flaws to his game, but there are things that if you allow him to do, he can thrive at in this league. And he just hasn't really had the, again, personnel questions here, hasn't really had the line mates that have made sense for him. And hey, part of that's on him. Like, you got to make it work if you don't have the line mates, but part of that's on roster construction as well. Yeah, you're right to to make a a line of demarcation between the two because they are totally different stories, especially when it comes to the ice time. Like Tyler Bertuzzi was given an incredible opportunity to start the season. Yeah. Start on the top line, playing alongside Austin Matthews, and then got a long run, and that line was playing pretty well despite him not racking up a bunch of goals with Tavares and Nylander. Mm-hmm. And it's only recently that you've seen the the ice time start to tick down, and part of it is neither guy's getting an opportunity on power play one, and nobody's cracking that power play one um, it seems, unless there's a real, real drop-off, and they've scored in consecutive games now, and it's yeah. John Tavares, so I, I don't see that happening anytime soon. Yeah, that was the one thing we were going to do is maybe swap Tavares and Burt, and obviously that isn't happening now. Yeah, but it's I, it's one of those things where I don't have a perfect solution, but I, and we'll ask Craig Simpson later on after 8 o'clock, like, there's no question in my mind that, it is hurting Max Domi's production and no, you're not getting the best out of him. Now, I think to your point, like the, the moving him to center allowed him at least a little more freedom when he is on the ice to be creative. But there's no question in my mind that Max Domi playing in a role that he's never played before with limited minutes. That's, that's tough for a, a like an offensive player. Um, I imagine relies on timing and feel more than anything else. Yeah. In the NHL. And when you're playing like 10 minutes a game, like it, that's why it was incredible when Nick Robertson was racking up four goals in six games. There's no doubt in my mind that Max Domi would benefit. And I guess part of this is just math. Hey, the more opportunity you get, yeah, the more likely it is that the puck's going to go in the net for you. But there's no doubt in my mind that more ice time for Max Domi would result in more offense. It's just like the getting to that point is not an obvious situation. Because you also don't want your... $13 million playing mm-hmm. player not being one of the top five forwards in the NHL and ice time, which he is. He's right there with Connor McDavid and so is Mitch Marner. Like, you want those guys yep. getting their ice time. So, by nature, this team is going to have a lopsided ice time structure. But the the guy that loses out on that is a guy that probably needs to touch the puck a lot and needs a little more ice time than, than he's getting in Max Domi. Yeah, so it feels to me like the two options are you can take Domi out of center 
And you can put him on the left side with, you know, if you want to go with Tavares, I, I wouldn't. I would keep Tavares, Nylander, and Bertuzzi together. But if you want, you can, especially with Nyes, kind of, you know, I thought he had a good game the other night. But having a bit of a, you know, second half swoon, rookie wall, whatever you want to call it, you can put him up on the left side there. But we've seen Domi at wing this year, and it hasn't been the best version of himself. Now, I think, you know, we've had a lot of conversations about coaching today. I think that that's where coaching comes into play. You know, if you're Sheldon Keefe or, you know, whoever, Guy Boucher or whoever it is who's having this conversation with Max Domi, you say, and I I just mean that, that it's not always the head coach talking to these guys. I'm not trying to fire Keefe. I know we we get accused of doing that a lot. That's where you say to him, okay, Max, you had a little run as a left winger earlier this year. Didn't go so well. Do you like putting up points and do you like playing with good players? Here's your chance to do it. This is the last chance you got at it because if not, you're going right back to 3C and it's you, Nick Robertson, and Yarncrock or McMahon or whoever it's going to be. And we've seen how that's gone for you this year, not the way he's wanted. So I think that's where you have to challenge the player. And guess what? A guy like Domi, I feel like, and, you know, you never know, but that it just personality-wise feels like he would rise to the occasion or at least not shrink from that challenge. Now, the problem with that is... You then got to go Camp is 3C, Holmberg is 4C. And look, David Camp can be a 3C. I don't know what's happened here, but I don't think he forgot how to do that role in the last eight months Mm -hmm. because he's capable at that role last year, and he's been great at that role in his tenure with the Leafs. So I'm not ruling out that possibility. I think that's what I would try first. And if that doesn't work, then I think you got to put Marner with Domi on the wing and then maybe see what if Matthews can kind of develop some chemistry, some chemistry with, I don't know, maybe try Robertson with, mm. with a guy like Matthews and Nyes or somebody along those lines. Like, I think this is where, you know, we've criticized Sheldon Keefe a lot for the blender and make, and he's tried to be, to stray away from that a little bit this year. Might be time to get the blender going a little bit and seeing if you can find something that, that sticks a little better than what you've got right now. There's a myriad of, of holes you'd like to plug on this Leafs team, and we do look at the blue line as, as a place where, yeah, you'd like to bring in some bodies. And certainly uh, some some guys that shoot right-handed would, would be helpful. Um, and no doubt, like, Leafs aren't where they were a season ago in goals against per game. I, I, I think a lot of that has to do with the goaltending they've received for the majority of the season. It, it's trending in the correct direction. And yeah, they're a top 10 team in goals four per game. But you listen to Sheldon Keefe yesterday. He's more talking. Okay, he's talking about the mistakes, the individual mistakes. But talking about, hey, those are just mistakes that we're having a conversation about the next day in video and saying, hey, we got to clean that up. But it's in Mm -hmm. a victory, right? And we feel good about the victory if we're reaching our potential offensively. I think if you ask the head coach, like his biggest issue is, hey, we know we're we're not the most stalwart defensive team, but I can coach him up. I did a season ago. And if we get average goaltending, we'll be fine there. It's we got to put the puck in the back of the net. You look at the goal scoring over the last 10 games, like that's been the issue. They just have not found the back of the net. Part of that is maybe William Nylander coming back to a more realistic version of himself, but it's Mm -hmm. also the secondary scoring, which, man, how many times have we talked about that uh, regarding this team over the last eight years? And they just lost the guy who's fifth on the team in goals for at least a couple of weeks here, and who knows how long that lingers. Just to go back to the Domi thing for a second, here are his most common line mates this season. It's Yarncroc, Robertson, Holmberg, Nyes, and Camp. Those are the guys he has typically played with the most. Now, Robertson, I think we feel a little differently about, and Nyes, we feel a little differently about there, but those are not the skill-skill guys that you think of a player like Max Domi thriving with. So, yeah, I, uh, I, I think it's going to be... 
it'll be interesting to see what what Keefe ends up doing. I don't think we see like a sea change coming into this game tonight in terms of the lines or anything along those. Well, they those. got a win, but I, I got to say like they haven't been doing a lot of winning with the way the lineup is currently be no. been constructed. So I don't know. Like, do you take what's the conservative approach here? Yeah, I don't I don't know that there is like. Yeah. There is one to take. Yeah, it's not thing. like, well, we got to keep doing what we're doing because we're winning hockey games. That's not happening. No. So do you blow it up? I, if it were me, I would like to see... If, against, it's tough with the team against Dallas, too. It's like, I guess that's the other part of this is how much of this is a game-to-game thing versus you wanting... And these are conversations we've had about Keith and his entire tenure here. How much do you want to see him try to get the best lineup on a night-to-night basis versus, okay, building something, trying to mm-hmm. find something, and just because something doesn't work for a period or it's a couple shifts. It's easier to do that when you have 10 points yeah. on the the team that's not in the wild-card spot in the Eastern Conference, right? Not when you're, I know you're super confident about, about this not being an issue down the stretch, mm-hmm. and I mean... Every statistical analysis would agree with you that they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, you know, you know me. I just look at the numbers, and that's my opinion on everything. Uh, yeah, but I mean, as currently constituted, Maple Leafs are going to be playing night in, night out for their playoff lives. It's a little tougher to d- experiment with stuff when when that's your reality. Yeah, it is. But I also think when you haven't got the best version of your team, you have to do that as well. Like you have to experiment a little bit to find the best version of it. Much like we much like we don't think that the blue line is just going to fix itself. I don't think Max Domi is just going to all of a sudden get super comfortable in a third line checking role where he plays or not checking, but not checking role mm-hmm. where he plays 10 minutes a night. And I don't think that's just going to happen all of a sudden. I think you have to give him more of a role. And on a team that on a team that needed him on the power play, it could be as simple as that. You could just have him be in this exact role of five on five and allow him to thrive there. But guess what? Don't need him there. It's kind of the exact same problem for Bertuzzi. And again, they're different guys. But yeah, if it were me, I think you need to. And a part of this is that I do believe that they're not in trouble for making the playoffs is I think you do need to experiment a little bit. You don't want to be haphazard and changing things you know, every other shift because things aren't working. But whether that means Marner with Domi and more of a kind of balanced lineup, whether that means Domi on the left side of Matthews and Marner, I'd like to see them shake something up other than just trying the exact same thing with Domi that they've been trying. Looks like they're going to try the exact same thing tonight. (laughs) We'll see. Maybe maybe tonight's the breaking point. But again, uh, Dallas Stars, no Jake Ottinger. He made 47 saves and a win over the Sabres yesterday. So you got Scott Wedgwood. Second helping of Scott Wedgwood. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. did go to arbitration yesterday. We'll talk to Ben Nicholson-Smith before 9 o'clock today. Uh, A ruling on that arbitration hearing probably going to come down early this afternoon. But he went. He did it. It's over. It's done. They 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 went through the the barrier. They did the thing that crossed they, the threshold. They did the thing that they were so adamant they weren't going to do with Bobuchet a year ago. That they were able to come to an agreement on a long term deal, quote unquote, three year deal for Bobuchet covering all his arbitration years. And they have now shown us physically, Brent, that they are more interested in mending fences in the long-term future of Bobachet than they are with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Now, it might just be slight, mm-hmm. but they have indicated to us, and who could blame them, that they're more interested 
in the Bobachet business than they are in the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. business, in my opinion. Okay, let me let me ask a question about that. Do you and like this is a better question for Ben, so I'll pre-ask the question. I'm, I'm going to ask him. Oh, to, the other Ben, no, the smart one. Okay, uh, I'll pre-ask him the question, or you, the question I'm going to ask him is that: Do you think now? Obviously, it wouldn't have been you know 13 and 13 or whatever the numbers work out to. But do we think there was a, all right, let's just take care of the Arbiers deal for Vladdy there? Do we think that was a possibility? There's always I, a number, right? Yeah, I, I guess there is. But at a certain point, it's, well, what's that number? What does it mean? Are you capitulating? What does that do for your further business? I'm not saying don't play, don't pay Vladdy or try to get out of arbitration. But I think this this goes to the... You know, we've had this conversation a lot. You see a lot of other teams and, you know, the Braves are kind of the poster child for this where they lock up their young talent and that's just never going to happen with Vladdy. And part of it is like the family history. He doesn't, he does not need to take Nothing the 100 Bo, though. Uh, well, no, but it, but I and think they, they were able to figure it out with Bo. They were able to figure it out with Bo. But I also think that it was a player who look at the numbers you're talking about for Bo. What is it like? It's a, it was 11 and 13 or something along those lines. Those numbers can be way bigger for Vladdy for a guy who's produced way less. So I'm. I'm not saying that what you're saying is wrong. I just don't know how palatable the number would have been kind of for either sides on that. That I just mean, get rid of our Here's deal. the deal with arbitration. Though. Like, yeah, the, the two sides submitted numbers that are, okay, like for normal people, worlds apart, right. but not, not actually worlds apart. And like, okay, w- there's a range of outcomes for this year and next year if he goes to arbitration both years. But we can, like, within a realm of like five to $10 million estimate what, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to be paid over the next 10 years. It was about those two guys or those two sides of mm-hmm. the equation coming together on something and sharing risk on both sides. And one side feeling like, man, come hell or high water, we got to keep him out of this room. For one guy, they did. Another guy, not so much. Well, but you're right to say that the, the numbers are different, right? What and, I- and part of that is, is Vlad getting to his, his uh, getting out of his pre-arb years earlier than Bo Bichette because of the timeline that they called him up and yada, yada, yada. So that, that there's, it's not an apples to apples comparison, yep. but yeah, one year after we went to the same place with Bo Bichette, we're here with Vladimir Gr- and they've come to agreement on single year contracts. So like there is, there's proof of concept here with Vlad and, and the team just this year, they said, nah, screw it. Yeah, I, I think it's a good point that you bring up. I also, like you said, it's just not apples to apples. I think with the Bichette thing, the... You know, not not. I, I don't say this to diminish the player. This is more about how high the hype was for Vladdy than what we thought of Bo. But just the range of outcomes when he signed that deal. It's like think of the track record he had. Mm-hmm. The reason we talk about him when we were doing our Hall of Fame athletes in the city. The reason we said he could be one is because he did it again, right? It's just like for a young player, it's one thing if you have five years in the league or six years in the league and you put together a seventh good one. When you've had one and a half good years in the league and you put together another good one, it's like that. It's a whole nother lifetime of your of your baseball. So I look at it as just, it was, and not that Vladdy's a sure thing. Far, far from it. We've had that conversation a million times, but it just felt like Bichette, there was a little more... Up in the air, there was a wider range of outcomes for what he could be. And again, not that I think it's it's cut and dry of what Vladdy will be. I think there's a massive wide range of outcomes there. But I just think that, to your point about the season he has already reached and getting out of pre-arb years early, it's just it's a different ballpark they're talking about financially. How about this one? So we think of going to arbitration as a negative impact on the player in their following season. And certainly appeared to be the case with Ilya Samsonov this year. Mm-hmm. Toronto Maple Leafs. Took him to arbitration. Mm. And, I mean, 
Uh, yeah, you, maybe you just it connect the dots. I don't know, maybe it worked. No, connect the dots, and yeah, maybe that's the reason why I got off to a slow start, um, but he's he's rebounded nicely. How much worse could it get for Vlad? Like, is there a, the potential for it being a positive motivator? Mm. Like, how, we talk about this all the time. The, despite the fact that he has one incredible season where he's reached the heights that were set for him in a season where there were mitigating factors, bizarro season, not no fault of his own. And, you know, everybody else played in those environments and didn't do what he did and had pretty good record or pretty good uh, numbers on the road in 2021 as well. But that's the one year that he had, despite it only being one year. Here he is, face of Major League Baseball on the cover of, of a video game. Every guest that we have on that knows him and has seen him uh, come up through the Dominican baseball system and saw him taking BP in Major League ballparks when he was 16 years old says this guy is the guy. Maybe not the worst thing in the world to to have a come back to earth reminder of, hey, one, like, I don't know yet if you're the Blue Jays. And yep. two, how, you know how much we don't know yet? It's like, we're actually going to show you the evidence that we have statistically that we're not sure yet in an arbitration hearing. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm sure statistics were used, but I do think a big part of it was just pointing to the picture, right? The freeze frame right before he gets picked off, I think was probably a big, big part of it. It's the, this is the toughest part about sports, right? Like it's human nature. We all know these people in our lives. It's like, I am someone who you get the best version of me when you tell me I'm great, but you think I could be a little bit better. Like mm. that is the how you get the best version of me. Like a hard coach riding. Yeah, okay. Hard coach riding. You got to butter me up. Like I, I, I respond very well to like security and like we believe in you. Well, th- I'm saying I need that too, but I also need them to believe. Because if you tell me you believe in me, I'm like, great. I'm doing a good job. I don't need to do anything else. Mm-hmm. It's like if I believe in you and you could be a little bit better, mm-hmm. then I'm like, okay, good. No, I like say like, hey, I would just glom on wow. the second part. You're even be- more insecure than I am. Yeah, that's oh, good. Yeah. That's good to know. But. Mm-hmm. People go kind of generally speaking one of two ways with this. They go, oh, you, you think that about me? I'll prove you wrong. Watch this. Or, wow, you you think that about me, eh? Mm-hmm. Maybe I am that way. Now, generally speaking, obviously it hasn't played out this way for Ilya Samsonov. When you are that level of athlete, and especially for a guy like Vlad, who again, from, forget when he was 16 taking BP in ballparks. It's like when this guy was 10 years old, he was being told that he was going to be great and go yeah. to Cooperstown. He was actually that. signed as a 17-year-old. So he's right. like basically a professional baseball player by 16. Exactly. So I think that a guy like that would have such reserves of confidence that you would be able to access that and say, all right, I will prove you wrong. But I would have thought that would have happened at some point in the last couple of seasons as well, where you go, oh, okay, I'll prove it. It hasn't really come to fruition yet. So I... Yeah, but there's not... This is the first time we've had concrete, right? Like, evidence. It's been like, oh, and he said it himself. Like, I need to be better this season, and no doubt there's conversations had behind closed doors. But this is the first time where it's like, oh, wait, no. Like, literally, somebody's saying, we don't quite believe that that's your value. Your Mm. perceived value is your real value. This is the first time it's actually happened in reality for him. Yeah. If it, yeah, the man, God, what I'd give to be a fly in the room in that wall. Like, how contentious does it get? I imagine very, but you know, try to be professional about it. I, I generally speaking, think that, and hey, prove me wrong. Like, I'm literally just watching what you all see as well. I would think the personality of Vlad, there would be maybe a chip on the shoulder to start. Mm-hmm. And if things go well, that chip just carries through for the full season. And you see, oh, wow, okay, scary mm-hmm. Vlad's back. But, yeah, if things go bad to start the year, 
maybe that doubt does creep in and you see a little bit of like, I hate this term because I don't think it's, it's right, but I don't have a better one for it. It's like, you see a little sulking. You're just not happy about the way the year's going and you're down on yourself. And man, we've seen this movie before in a million sports, but baseball is the one where it goes the worst because you think David Clarkson hated being a leaf at the start of it. Uh, he got, he got three days off a week where he didn't have to play a game and talk to anybody. It's like Vlad Jr. If he's going through it, getting rolled out there mm-hmm. every day on every commercial. So it's mm-hmm. just, yeah, it's a very different animal. Yeah, and I think if as many questions as I have about his ultimate ceiling and where the player ends up um, in the long run, I'm pretty sure that the floor is an above-average Major League Baseball player. Like, I think the floor is pretty close to what he's produced in, you know, the four years outside of the 2021 season. And I think the Blue Jays yep. kind of agree. They're like, well, what we've done hasn't worked. How much worse could it get, honestly? If we're just trying to get the best out of the player in one season, why yeah. not? No. Like, why, why, why not? I don't think this is some catastrophic error by any means by the Blue Jays of, of taking him to ARB or anything along those lines. I don't think that what he has proven has been a player that you need to protect in that way. So, yeah, I to your point, would it have been, well, I don't know, maybe people feel differently about it. Would it have been nice if they got the ARB years taken care of a la Bichette? Maybe. But I also think that, yeah, that it's carrot or stick. Like some people need one, some people need the other. Tried carrot, see how the stick feels. Uh, we'll see. Speaking of money, John Rom got a lot of it, and he finally just admitted that it was largely about the money. Why he changed Sorta. his stance Sorta. on the on the live tour thing, and also uh, Super Bowl week day two, Andy Reid talking to the assembled masses. For some reason, the talk of retirement keeps being asked uh, of Mister Reid. Uh, we'll talk about what he said. To that end, next, as the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Bourne. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sports at 590 the fan, Ben Ennis, Frank Gunning. When do you want to retire? Do you have like an age you're thinking about like, ooh, that'd be nice. Second lease from the cup. Just like talk about it <laughs> until I have nothing else to say and then be like, all right, I'm good. And the so good, never. You I was going to say the good news about that is I'll just, I'll just slowly uh-huh. turn in Hans Molman as I do the show. And go, I remember. And then I'll just, I'll just slowly peter out and they'll be like, hey, I guess Brent died. And that yeah. was that. It looks like a peanut. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what about you? You got one? I don't have a age but i will say like driving in today this, you thought about it i was like boy well and it's the weather's getting nicer but god this climactic region takes a toll on me yeah i know it does my wife's american she's from texas i've been to texas nice little spots in texas i can i can see myself sitting in in the nice weather so in, funny in like a, a house a palatial estate that costs one tenth of what it would cost here in texas where the weather's nice it's so funny every time i hear people like talk about this or you know like my my godfather like he's like a snowbird type you know like go spend time in, down in florida or whatever it's like <laughs> i am always like yeah it sounds nice in theory but it makes me i don't know this is a problem with me like I feel like it's bad Canadian to want to get out of the cold. Yeah, I don't like it. Oh, my God. I do. I do feel that way. I'm like, yeah, what's wrong with you? you? Stay here. Be cold. You are right. You're more of a patriot than me by a factor of one million. Yeah, you love the cold. (laughs) Or you hate the cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. I think most most smart people with senses feel the same way. Anyways, the reason I bring it up is because, (laughs) listen, I'm not 
I'm not Andy Reid age. Andy Reid is going to be 66. Mm, going to be aged soon. Matter of days, though. Yeah. 40 is different than 66, yeah. but yeah, 40 is. Basically, the, not, honestly, not it's the really same. the exact same. <laughs> yeah. uh, Andy Reid's 66 in March, and he is, now there's no Pete Carroll, now there's no Bill Belichick, the oldest head coach in the NFL. But God, he feels so much younger than those guys. <laughs> well, because you know why he feels that way? Because he is. He is. Right. <laughs> And it was always so bizarre that Pete Carroll was the oldest coach in the NFL, right? He's 72. Insane. Um, a young 72, though. Very. Bill Belichick, 71. Maybe those guys are done forever, but like... Possibly. The, yeah. I think in the case of Bill Belichick, like he certainly wants to come back, whether he just spends one season on the outside looking in or whether this is the... Who knows? But yeah, this was a, a story, I think, first raised by Mike Florio, who was talking about, hey, maybe Bill Belichick's actual landing spot is in Kansas City when Andy Reid retires, and that may come as soon as this year. And and he hasn't been the only one. And I think Adam Schefter on ESPN has talked about, hey, he's like, this is not reporting. This is just like, hey, pie-in-the-sky stuff. Andy Reid retiring mm-hmm. Bill Belichick in Kansas City. So this has reached the point of him being asked direct questions at Super Bowl week mm-hmm. in Las Vegas, including yesterday. And he responded, um, that, yeah, am I retiring? Listen, my mom and dad told me this when they were working. They said, you'll know when it's time. And I'm ready to go right now. Let's go, which sounds like, I'm ready to retire. Let's go. I'm retiring today. <laughs> but he meant it in there. Like, I'm ready to, like, continue. Go to work. Yeah. <laughs> that is such, that is all-time bad phrasing. By he also, reason. like, later on said, uh, that's what they would tell me when I was young. I was an inquisitive kid, so that's the way I look at it. Somewhere you're going to know when it's time. Today is not the day. So not retiring, it seems, at the conclusion of mm-hmm. the season. To which I would say, yeah, obviously. obviously. Like, why <laughs> on earth would you retire? And the only reason Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll are potentially retired. Yeah, they got walked off the plank. Because they're... Hall of Fame level quarterback play, and in the case of Tom Brady, Hall of Fame quarterback, and in the case of the Seahawks, Hall of Fame level yeah. quarterbacking yep. from Russell Wilson, and maybe he ends up in the Hall of Fame as well. But that's besides the point. That dropped off. They didn't stop getting that. Yep. As long as twenty-seven-year-old Patrick Mahomes is quarter- twenty-eight. Sorry, yeah. twenty-eight. If you know I'm agent. in a race. You know I'm in a race for him to be out of his winning window. You know I am. As long as twenty-eight-year-old Patrick Mahomes is behind center. Andy Reid ain't going nowhere. Why the hell would he? Yeah, no, uh, in no world. I I guess if you're somebody who thinks that everything the Chiefs do is falling by the wayside aside from Mahomes, then you'd buy into that. But guess what? It doesn't matter. That's all that matters. All and that matters. lots the, of things fell by the wayside for Tom Brady and the Patriots, but they're Tom Brady of it all, yeah. like sustained winning for 20 years. Well, and, you know, I understand units change year over year, but you finally have a defense there. The idea of like, oh, I have a quarterback and a defense. Now is the time to step aside. No, I can't see it there. The, if you are a believer of this, you would have to believe that the chief's magic is about to run out. And even I, who like, I, I feel like, not that I love to do it, but if anyone poo-poos Chiefs magic, it is me. But even I am saying, there's no way it's about to run out anytime soon. Patrick Mahomes is, he's not even, he's not 32, he's 28. There's still another at least eight years of this going on. Probably more, probably close to a decade, quite mm-hmm. honestly. So why, why would you walk away? And the other part of it is that 
you've won. Like, there's no world where, oh, you hang on too late and all of a sudden. No, you won. You did the thing. You checked the box that you were supposed to do that you couldn't do in the last spot. Why would you walk away unless it's a, like, you know, want to go out on top thing? But there's no world where you Mm. couldn't be on top again next year. No, but, and like, there's a non-zero possibility that you walk away on top top. Like, we talk about Patrick Mahomes and the Tom Brady trajectory. There's an Andy Reid surpassing Bill Belichick trajectory here. Like, that's not out of the realm of possibility. Like, if he's around for Patrick, if Patrick Mahomes, we're having the Patrick Mahomes-Tom Brady conversation, we're having the Andy Reid-Bill Belichick conversation. You don't think Andy Reid is interested in being considered the best coach in the history of the NFL? Okay, I don't disagree with anything, and it just occurred to me now as we had this conversation, but... We talked about this with the, like, Mahomes-Brady, if it ever gets there, is that Mahomes got got by Brady twice. How much is that a case with (laughs) Belichick? Because you, like, throw in a third one with the Eagles and Patriots in the Super Bowl there. How much of that would be, like, and again, long road between here and there, but it's like, how much does Belichick have the hammer over Reed in that uh, as well? The fact that it's like he got him twice or three times in in Super Bowls. Well, okay, but how, how about a counter? Like hit me, hit me. Andy Reid didn't win a Super Bowl with the Eagles, but had some success outside of Patrick Mahomes, made a Super Bowl. (laughs) Totally fair. And made a million NFC championship games. Where's the success outside of Tom Brady for Bill Belichick? You know, you show me. Where is it? Oh, I think uh, I As a coordinator? Yeah, okay, sure. No, no, that's not not what I was going to say. What I'm going to say is that I think... I still am a believer he's going to get another job. Obviously, it's not coming this year. I think there's going to, we've talked about this a million times. I think there's going to be a case of teams looking to swing the pendulum and, all right, they hired the young, sexy guy. All right, let's get the least sexy, oldest guy we we can find. So I think there's going to be some element to that there. But the other thing is, is that he had a chance to do it with, like, say what you will about Donovan McNabb. And, you know, I don't think anyone looks at him on the vein of a Patrick Mahomes or a Tom Brady. How about Alex Smith, though? Because he was, you know, in the playoffs with Alex Smith. Yeah, but Alex Smith has proved, like, I think Alex Smith is a guy who, like, do you like Alex Smith more or less than Mac Jones? Because I certainly like him more. Like, that's the thing is that we've never seen Belichick with anything. We've we've seen Bledsoe. Mm-hmm. We've seen, and guess what? It's like he got hurt and we saw how that went. We've seen Brady and then we've seen nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Mac Jones, it's like, is there a world where maybe he ends up in a different spot? And he's like, nah. no, you know what? Here's, here's the absolute highest case scenario. Mac Jones could have ever reached is a poor man's Kirk cousins. Okay. And like, if you're Kirk cousins, that's fine, but you don't want to be a poor man's Kirk cousins. That's like, that's why I need Belichick to get a shot with another quarterback. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't want to have this as a, what if I want to have mm-hmm. an answer to this question. And the best part is, is for me is like, there's no losing. It's like, if he does it, it's proof positive. That the, that the Patriots had the greatest yeah. head coach and greatest quarterback. Oh, you, and if all not, your eggs are in the Tom Brady basket And anyways. if not, it's like, okay, great. Brady's just the greatest, <laughs> no. and there's no there's no losing for me in this scenario. I need him back. But to your point about Reed, so he's 2-2 two and two in Super Bowls right now. He wins. He gets to three. That has him tied with Bill Walsh and Joe Gibbs, the only guys who would have more than him then, Chuck Knoll, and, of course, Bill Belichick. Now, with legacy stuff there, it's like Noel, 4-0, and <laughs> Walsh, 3-0. and Reed would be 3-2 and mm-hmm. if he gets this one. I don't think anyone's going to say, oh, what a bad head coach winning three Super Bowls, but with two losses. But it's interesting the place it kind of vaults him to. It's like, you know, he's tied with Vince Lombardi. 
yeah. right now for Super Bowl wins. And it's just such a, such a small group if he's able to get to that third. It's a really small group at two, but it's a bigger class. Like you got Shula, Landry, Parcells, Coughlin, Shanahan. Like there are a lot of guys and mm. look, all great coaches. You would love to live in that neighborhood, but you know what's better? Move into an even better neighborhood. <laughs> and that's the one with Gibbs and Walsh. It's amazing. It's it's in some professions, it's not it's like seemingly never too late to change your perception. Because guy yeah. who's almost sixty years old and yeah. he arrives in Kansas City as a guy that oh guy is a good head coach, but can't get it done when when Doesn't the you know are what's down. going on with the clock. <laughs> and now it's like, who cares? There's thirteen seconds left on the clock and Patrick Mahomes is gonna do whatever he wants. Who cares? Yeah, he could have a claim to be the the greatest head coach in the history of the NFL. Anywho, uh, Jose Altuve signed an extension yesterday for $125 million. Five more years that covers the 2025 through the 2029 seasons with the Houston Astros. That will take him to uh, the ripe old age of 39 Okay, so that's it. Like, Jose Altuve is an Astro for life, and unless I suppose he's traded, which it's hard to imagine that scenario. But yeah, Jose Altuve was there for the myriad of 100 lost seasons before yep. they built it up, and he was there for the World Series and the other stuff. What? Well, the, the other stuff. Oh, okay. Which also, you know, this deserves mentioning around the World Series All and the, the hunk of metal that they won as the result of winning that World Series. Yeah, MLB Commissioner George Costanza dragging the Commissioner's Trophy around the parking lot. Here's a bona fide fact. Counting statistic-wise, eye test-wise, Jose Altuve is a Hall of Famer. First ballot. Obviously. I mean, guys... Five foot six, and he's gonna maybe end up with three thousand hits. First of all, if you get to three thousand hits, you're in it either way. But yeah, he's over two thousand now, and you know, could get to three thousand. He led the American League in hits four consecutive years, has an MVP award. He is just numbers alone, like career three oh seven hitter. Numbers alone, he is a Hall of Famer. And Astros ownership in the release about this contract said, you know, future Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. we think, Jose Altuve. Will he get into the Hall of Fame, Brent? Because of the other stuff. Like, the other, there's the other stuff, which is notably hmm. him being, him and Alex Bregman, I think, are the faces of the trash can banging scandal. For some reason, Carlos Beltran as well. Well, no. I think, yeah. yeah, yeah. Carlos Beltran, Alex Cora, like, they, they, they did some other stuff. But, like, we think of cheaters of that generation, and, and Beltran certainly being the leader of that cheating core. Certainly not George Springer. Nobody thinks about George Springer. I know what you're talking about. Him? Uh, Do you even play there? <laughs> but I think part of it was that he wasn't there when they had to step to a podium at the next yeah. spring training after the, they received no sanction. And, you know, I had to explain away what happened and the ruling that came down on the team. Anyways, he and Alex Bregman wear it. Plus, I- I'm telling you, despite the fact that there has been no report definitively telling us that in 2019 he had something attached to his body that alerted him to balls and or, or to, to, to fastballs and breaking mm-hmm. balls. You, you will never be able to convince me that something wasn't happening when he hit a walk-off home run in game six of the ALCS against Araldis Chapman, rounded the bases, and they went to rip off his shirt. And he said, no, 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 went changed Ridiculous. and then came back 
And yes, in subsequent interviews, talked about how he had a bad tattoo that he didn't want anyone to see. Also, like, let's see the tattoo. I then, like, like, need to see it. Come on. Okay, Jose Altuve is a cheater. Does he get into the Hall of Fame? God, this is such a tough one because it's a. On one hand, it's easier. Like steroid era, it affected everybody. It's like you know the Black Sox scandal, and like I'm not going to compare the two. You know, one was outright fixing games; the other was, you know, possibly, potentially, allegedly. I think, you know, cheating via their mechanism or whatever. But it's almost easier when it's just a single team, a single entity to say, "Sorry, you guys don't get in." Like as a as a group. Now, the thing that's different about this is that, like, we know the baseball hall voters can be a finicky bunch. Like, we see guys on ballots one year and they disappear the next. He is going to be the the test case for it. And I don't, I think it's something that affects the number, like, the amount of time he lingers on a ballot. But I don't think it ultimately keeps him out for me. It should. I agree. If 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 we're talking about Barry you ask Bonds, me, you ask me what should what will happen. Okay, that's what I think will happen is he'll linger and it'll and we'll have different memories and well he wasn't doing that his whole career. Da da da. I think eventually he gets in. Should he? Until you put all the all the steroid guys in, not a chance. I mean, what what is what should keep you out of the Hall of Fame more? Doing something that, okay, and this is not an excuse for doing something against the rules or bad, mm-hmm. but that everybody else was doing that was not, it might have been illegal, but it was not, there was no rule written in the Major League Baseball rule book, and there was no testing taking place. Yeah. And by the way, like, we always in this discussion about the steroid era forget about the pitchers who are likely juicing as uh-huh. well. A pretty notable one who also should probably be in the Hall of Fame and, and you Roger still have Clemens. to hit the ball. Right, right. Like, what is, what is, what should be more, uh, what should be a, a a better piece of evidence to keep you out of the Hall of Fame? Doing something that was just prevalent and part of the game at the time and something that was not against the rules explicitly mm-hmm. and doing steroids like yep. Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire did mm-hmm. or something that is more akin to the Black Sox scandal that has direct impact on the play of game and something that is written in the rule book and something that we know for sure, like... You can, I can talk about the speculation about 2019 all I want. You can come back at me with, okay, but there's never been definitive proof and people were on those teams. Nobody's come forward. You, you would have figured, but the, the amount of people that were around that, that somebody would have said something. About, okay, that's fine. 2017, we know definitively what was happening and how against the rules it was. And they went to seven games against the Dodgers and won a World Series. Like he yep. has a World Series as the direct result of cheating, what should be the thing that keeps you out of the Hall of Fame more? To me, it's the Jose Altuve thing, and there's not much of a debate about it. Yeah, it's not even close. Also, um, you know, Major League Baseball with the steroid guys, like they were promoting them actively, you know, like the dingers and the chase and all of that. Like that has to be weighed into it. The idea that the league and the organization and baseball as a whole leaned into it. They ran away scared from this Astros story because they know how bad it looks. The Hick King is banned from the Hall of Fame for betting on baseball. Betting, not fixing games, allegedly, mm-hmm. but just betting on them. For a stacked team that he was managing, 
And Jose Altuve might get in when we have all this evidence that says he actually did something to affect the game. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I just think the sensibilities oh, of baseball. So stupid. Yeah, it's, agreed. That's <laughs> stupid. Yes. Yes, agreed. We'll see. I mean, I, I'm, I'm making a straw man argument because maybe the day will come where, yeah, that that will be. He's not getting in a hall, on the first ballot. That's no. for certain, despite the fact that he may have the credentials of being a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like, this will be raised, I think, and there'll be enough objectors at that time. And time heals all wounds, and maybe, you know, the second part of his career will be so incredible. And, you know, the fact that they won a World Series after that will be brought up and yada, yep. yada, 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 yada. Maybe, or maybe... There'll be enough people like me that will say, screw this guy. Forget it. I hope there are. I hope there are. Before we take a break, Mm. uh, Live Tour is in Las Vegas this week, too, which is Mm -hmm. well-timed as the the Super Bowl uh, kicks off on Sunday. Live Tour is going to go head-to-head against one of my favorite PGA Tour stops, the Waste Management. Everyone's. Let's be honest. Yeah. If you're even a casual, you're like, "Ah, Although there's like a notable drop, like the... Some notable players have dropped out, like Xander Shoffley, I saw yep. pulled out of the waste management Wonder. recently. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Mm. All right. So the 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 most notable recent um added player to the Live Tour roster was John Rom. This is a guy that very notably said, Thanks, but no thanks. Like I've made lots of money in my career and like a couple of extra million bucks is not gonna make the difference in my life as far as the quality is concerned. Well, interesting how things change. Uh he did an interview with Golf.com's Dylan Detier. Um, here's his explanation as to where things changed materially. Well, years ago, where you were to go, it was just a couple years ago, where you were saying a four hundred million dollar contract, mm-hmm. your life wouldn't really materially change. How did we get to this point? For me to want to change, there had to be reasons beyond the money, right? Um, so when I said that, I fully meant it, and it's true. Now, when they slap you with a large amount of money in your face, your feelings do change. Yeah. And uh, I try not to be a materialistic person, but I do owe it to my family as well to set them up for success as best I can. Right. And having kids, I think, changed that quite a bit. So, yeah, the the money is a part of it. I mean, I'm not going to lie and say, no, it is. Uh, Yes. So there's a different emotion when it's, okay, this is actually, there is a reality here. You could get this massive amount of money. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that was always the case. Like, I, I don't know what we're talking about here. Yeah, I, it, you got to be careful because, like, well, first of all, I, I didn't, I don't blame him at all for taking the money. I do blame him a, li- a little bit for saying he wouldn't take the money and then taking the yeah, money. Yeah, literally nothing changed. Like, I get he had a kid. Guess what? He could afford his kid before before right. the live gave him $400 million or $600 million or whatever it was. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I can't sit here and begrudge these guys for taking the money, especially now. Like, I can begrudge the first ones who led the battle charge of let's ruin professional golf for everyone uh-huh. here. But I can. Like, I, I understand finally going, all right, it's all going to come from the same funding place. Just stop with this. Well, my family, my guys, you had a sick life before. We all saw right. the Poulter thing, him crying about how hard his life was as he loads up his family into a private jet and he needs to live money. So just own it. <laughs> Be like, I care about money and nothing else. My legacy doesn't matter to me. Playing in majors doesn't matter to me. Yeah. I only care about live and I only care about money. Just he, say it. He gets to play in the Masters for forever, forever. though, because yep. he won one. Uh, walking Neiman. Guy that's a couple time winner on tours, mm-hmm. only twenty five years old, will not play in the Masters yeah. because he gets no uh, world golf ranking points. Yeah, good, 
You made your bet, go lie in it. I have zero sympathy for a single guy who went to live who doesn't get to play in a tournament. Oh, poor baby you. You took the blood money. Live with it. Go roll around. Go be Woody Harrelson, drying your tears with your cash. <laughs> your opinion on the matter is very clear. Very clear. All right. Time now for the Wake and Rake, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local. Leafs looking for their first win of the unofficial second half, hosting the Dallas Stars, who beat the Sabres in Buffalo yesterday. So not a, a big travel day for Dallas, um, but Jake Ottinger started in that game. Hard to imagine him starting in back-to-back games to start the second half of the season. The Leafs are favored minus 143 stars plus 120 the total six and a half Brent let's go under six and a half you get the little half goal bump there you get it minus 105 Leafs we think of them as a team that can score but they can't and uh, Dallas generally plays a somewhat buttoned up game so uh, give me the under there at six and a half I like the over I mean Mm. Scott Wedgwood they put four up on them in the first meeting between these two teams Um, I in in fact boy do I not often like the Leafs uh, to win because mm-hmm. they're always so heavily favored. I like him in this spot, considering wow. some of the harsh rhetoric coming out of... Yeah, then take them at the one and a half. That's what I'm looking at. Minus one and a half goals at plus 165 for the Toronto Maple Leafs against a good Dallas Stars team played yesterday. Won't have their all-world goaltender in net tonight. That was The Wake and Rake, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook bet local. On the call of tonight's game, Craig Simpson. Hockey Night in Canada and Sportsnet joins us next. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 The Fan.